Welcome to another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. This week, our conversation is right out of the headlines, and that is Medicare for All. There are pros and cons for it, and here to help us make sense of it all is respected neurologist Dr. Stephen Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein, I'm not old enough just yet to qualify for Medicare, so I don't know much about it. What can you tell us about it as it exists today? Well, Medicare began in 1965 as basic health insurance for people over 65. The original version had Part A for hospitalization and Part B for outpatient care. In 1972, Medicare was expanded to cover the disabled of all ages, including dialysis patients. Medicaid now covers low-income families, pregnant women, and those who retire long-term care. In 1997, the Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP, was created to uh, give health insurance for millions of children, many of whom came from uninsured families. Then in 2010, the Affordable Care Act brought the health insurance marketplace, a single place where federal subsidies enable families that qualify to purchase private health insurance plans at a discount. All this makes me wonder why we are not all just a whole lot healthier than we are, but we can save that discussion for another day. I am also thinking that this all covers a very significant percentage of the population. Does it? Yes, it does. About 44 million beneficiaries or 15% of the population. But let me also say this, at the current rate of enrollment, we expect there to be 79 million by 2030. Okay, so that gets us to now and the debate about making Medicare available for everyone. Even with this, there is more than one proposal, right? That's right. There is a bill from Senator Bernie Sanders that would be a single national health insurance program that would cover everyone living in the United States. It would pay for every medically medically necessary service, including dental and vision care, mental health care, and prescription drugs. There would be no co-pays or deductibles, with the exception of prescription drugs, though the cost would be limited to $200 a year. There there may also be additional out-of-pocket costs for long-term care. Okay, so it's just single-payer health care with a different name, right? Yes, that's right. The Kaiser Family Foundation did a poll and found that only 48% of those asked were in favor of a single payer, but 62% were in favor of Medicare for all. Well, I guess so much for that whole what's in a name thing, but of course it all sounds great before somebody brings up the budget. So what's this all going to cost us? Well, no one knows for certain, but the Libertarian-Oriented Mercatus Center at George Mason University estimated that the cost of Medicare for All would be more than $32 trillion over a 10-year period. Uh, okay, so other than just printing more money, how could the American public ever afford this? Well, Bernie Sanders suggests that redirecting current government spending of about $2 trillion per year into Medicare for All. To do that, he would raise taxes on incomes over 250000 reaching a 52% marginal rate on incomes over $10 million. 
You also suggested a wealth tax on the top one-tenth of a percent of households. Okay, let's set the cost aside for a moment and discuss how this might potentially be better than the system we currently have. Well, currently we're spending about 18% of our GDP on health care. Yet we have a falling life expectancy rate, a rising infant mortality rate, a rising suicide rate, especially in teenagers and 20-somethings, an epidemic of drug and alcohol abuse, as well as obesity. With a single-payer system, the government can set prices and can lower spending to whatever percent of GDP it likes. Additional money could then be spent on public health measures. Second, it could eliminate the complex web of insurance networks, and all hospitals and doctors would be in one network. Thirdly, billing would be simplified. Fourth, hospitals and doctors would be forced to provide service at the same price for all patients. It would eliminate the secret deals that insurance companies have with hospitals. And then last, it could negotiate prices paid for drugs and medical devices. Okay. Um, I'm really sorry, but there's just a lot of really specious reasoning in this. For example... How can the price of something be set without first counting costs? Well, that's right. People who come up with ideas like this do not understand basic economics. It is factually incorrect to call health care a right. It is actually a commodity like food, clothing, and shelter. If the government sets a price too low, there will be shortages or no service at all. It will have to set a price based on data supplied by providers. Currently, Medicare and Medicaid prices are set below hospital costs. The hospital charges private insurance a higher rate that essentially subsidizes the Medicare and Medicaid patients. If everyone is paid at the current Medicare rate, hospitals would have to lower services to break even. They could do this by converting single and double rooms into 20 or 30 patient wards or charging additional fees for extras such as food or TV. Well, when it comes to dealing with multiple insurance companies or the single government agency, it's just sort of, it's just, it's just pick your poison. Isn't that right? Well, again, people who come up with this stuff do not understand that it is not possible to repeal the law of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. We have never had a free market in healthcare and we've had managed care for 40 years. The avowed purpose of managed care is to keep prices under control but in 40 years, healthcare costs have grown from 8% of GDP to 18% of GDP, and yet we're not healthier and in many ways worse off. Yet another managed healthcare scheme is doomed to failure that will not improve our health as a nation. It is time to introduce supply and demand economics to determine medical prices, end secret deals between insurance companies and hospitals, and make hospital pricing transparent. It is time for the government to address some of our public health problems like drug and alcohol abuse, mental health issues such as the suicide rate, increasing anxiety and depression, homelessness, poor physical fitness, obesity, hypertension, diabetes. If these problems are addressed, there will be less need for health care. If hospitals are forced to compete on price, it will encourage innovation that will improve quality and lower costs. Now, what other consequences will follow if we adopt the single-payer system? 
Well, another way to lower costs is to ration the number of procedures performed. For those who ever waited for a new driver's license or passport, imagine what waiting for a heart, kidney, or knee replacement will be like. No, all things like this will do is force people to seek treatment overseas, do without, or die while waiting. If the government allows private medicine to continue, there will be three levels of care. The Medicare for All system, the VA system, and a private system for cash patients and politicians. Again, it's false hope that we would all get the same treatment with the same outcome at the same price. If a private system is illegal, I suspect there will be an increase in medical tourism where patients get care offshore if they can afford it. You know, I don't have a medical degree or or even any kind of medical training, but I did watch House, and that was a whole team of diagnosticians who gave incorrect diagnoses all the way up until the last five minutes of that show. Well, if the government sets physician salaries too low, physicians who are most qualified will opt into the private system, leaving less experienced and less qualified doctors to work in hospitals. Doctors may even leave the field to enter other more lucrative areas. Again, the law of supply and demand states that low prices mean lower quality and doctor shortages. Even now, the hospitals I practice in do not have ear, nose, and throat doctors or ophthalmologists to do hospital consult, as managed care does not pay enough to make it worth their while to do so. They rather work in the office and do surgeries. Wow, that's uh, quite a revelation. Um, so, before we go, give us the last word on this, Dr. Goldstein. Well, Medicare for All is a single payer by another name. It is government-supplied health insurance and government medical care without thought for competition, cost, or the possibility of unexpected consequences. It will not work to improve health. It's only uh, my opinion. I can obviously only speak for myself when I say that. I think it would be great if every American could have the government pay for their health care, make all of us healthy and well with a uniform model of care. But as Dr. Goldstein points out, this is a plan with no depth. Now, no bill is likely to pass in the next two years. However, the measure bears watching to see if Democrats can unify around a single proposal ahead of the 2020 election. This proposal would eliminate employer-sponsored health coverage and get some funding from higher taxes on employers. But it would also stifle innovation, competition, and make services and expertise much harder to come by. Now, if you want to learn more about this and other similar topics, please go to www.HoustonHealthCareInitiative.org. As always, thank you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast and come back next time for another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast.